You are listening to Himal Interviews, where we bring in reporters, authors, and field specialists to discuss a major issue affecting South Asia today. They came in the tens of thousands to Bangladeshi capital, opposition leaders, activists, and other groups, all demanding the resignation of the government. They say the last two elections were fraudulent. Two months ahead of general elections, Bangladesh is seeing a wave of protests from the opposition and a subsequent government crackdown. Nearly 8,000 members of the opposition are in prison after violent clashes with police in the past few weeks. Well, the other big story, Bangladesh seems to be headed for another one-sided election, a repeat of 2014. Bangladesh's parliamentary elections are scheduled to be held on January 7th. In the run-up to the election, there have been escalating protests led by the opposition, the Bangladesh Nationalist Party, calling for the current Prime Minister, Sheikh Hasina, to resign and transfer power to a non-partisan caretaker government to ensure a free and fair election. Historically, Bangladesh's elections have been marred by violence and crackdowns on the political opposition. This election has already seen a number of BNP party members and supporters being arrested. And there are now growing calls to boycott the election altogether. Here to talk to us about this is Anupam Devashish Roy. Anupam is a graduate student at the London School of Economics. He has previously worked for the Dhaka Tribune and the Daily Star in Bangladesh and is a frequent contributor to Himal South Asian on Bangladesh. Anupam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Nandara, for inviting me to this podcast. So the international media is already calling this a one-sided election, uh, as the Bangladesh Nationalist Party has said that it's going to boycott the election due to concerns around fairness. Has there been any change on this front in recent days? So it's very clear what international media is calling this election is very much fair, because this is going to be a one-sided election. Uh, Although the government is showing statistics saying that 30 parties are going to uh, contest these elections, but all of these 30 parties are uh, either propped up by the government or supported by the government uh, or controlled by the government. So no true uh, opposition parties are taking uh, part in these elections. So, for example, the only major party that's uh, taking part in this election outside of the uh, ruling Awami League is the Jatiyo Party, JP. Uh, and even in that party, that party is very much dependent on the ruling party uh, to call it shots. For example, when there was a leadership crisis in that party, it uh, actually went to the prime minister to solve their internal leadership crisis. So that shows how much dependent that party um, is on the ruling party. So it's uh, you can say that even that party, even though it's technically not the Awami League, it's very much dependent on the Awami League and, and the Awami League calls it shots. And outside of the uh, of that party, there are other smaller parties that were given registration by the election commission uh, specifically because uh, they wanted to break up the Bangladesh Nationalist Party. Uh, which we call the King's Parties. We have talked about that. I've talked about that in my article for Himal, my latest article for Himal. Uh, and those parties uh, are going to participate in the election, but that's not going to make it a inclusive uh, election that would be contested because everybody knows who's going to win. If you have the boat as your symbol, then you're going to win. And then if you don't have that, you're not going to win because... 
the ruling party has said that uh, there's going to be dummy candidates in many of those seats but uh, only the party only the candidates that the Awami League is deciding would win would actually win those elections so uh, the election is going, completely going to be one-sided not only one-sided but also dependent on the decision of one member one person of that party so the prime minister is is basically going to pick who is going to win in each seat and they're going to uh, so you know, many people in the world have, have heard of lipstick economy when uh, you know uh, an economy is um, is dressed up as to make it make it make it look like a well performing economy this election is going to be a, a lipstick election so they're going to dress it up in, even though it's not inclusive not participatory not contesting election they're going to dress it up so that it looks as such right there have been frequent reports about the crackdown on BNP activists and party members. Can you tell us what the latest is on that front? The ruling party have been uh, arresting a lot of activists from the BNP throughout the year. Uh, the latest uh, attack on the BNP came in uh, came after 28th of October when the BNP held a massive rally in front of their office in Naapolton in Dhaka. During that rally, there were uh, reports of the police attacking the activists and the activists re retaliated. Um, and in the clashes, uh, two major things happened. One was that the residence of the chief justice was attacked by like stones and stuff like that. And also police member was killed. So after that incident, thousands of uh, activists and leaders of the BNP have been arrested, including the top leadership of the BNP who are already in jail. Other leaders uh, and activists who are not yet in jail are on the run. They're not being able to organize. They're not being able to hold any sort of rallies, but they're still trying their best. Uh, for example, in the last uh, International Day for Human Rights, there was this pretty big uh, human chain. Uh, in front of the National Press Club where uh, hundreds of uh, BNP activists gathered. Uh, but BNP is trying to fight back, but it's been hard for them since thousands of their leaders uh, and activists have been arrested. You spoke about the Awami League openly talking about popping up dummy candidates. Can you tell us a little more about what these dummy candidates actually mean? And... Has there been any space for independent candidates in this election campaign? What the dummy candidates mean is basically that uh, in the 2014 election, which was uh, set in this in a pretty similar circumstances where the BNP decided not to participate in the election and the uh, Awami League basically fielded candidates uh, in all 300 seats and 153 candidates um, in the in that election were elected uncontested. Uh, because there were no candidates against the candidates fielded by the Army League. So uh, what happened is that the Army League won the election even before the election took place, because 153 is greater than 50% of all the seats in the parliament. So the Army League is trying to prevent that scenario again in this year. So that's why the prime minister herself 
Sheikh Hasina herself has said that the party should field dummy candidates. What the dummy candidates means is still a little unclear. The the leaders of the Awami League are saying various different things about what this dummy candidates means. Uh, what this means uh, in, in general is that the Awami League would field more than one candidate. It's not that anyone can, can now field their candidacy with the election commission. It's that the Awami League is going to decide who's going to be the number two candidate for that seat. And they're not going to, no, they're not there to win the election. They're just going to be there to show that uh, there is some, some sort of contest in that election. So both of those candidates, if there's one dummy candidate, both the nominated candidate and the dummy candidate is going to be from the Awami League. They're going to be chosen from the Awami League. Um, and one candidate would be chosen basically to lose the election on purpose. Uh, this is just to show that there was contest in the election. So technically there is a space for independent candidates, but if the independent candidates uh, come from the Awami League and they are what is called rebellious candidates who rebel against the party decision to field their candidacy, they would uh, face repercussions from the, from the party like uh, get expelled from the party and stuff like that. But if there are people who want to contest the election, there are many people who can con join and contest the elections. But we know that the Awami League has too much at stake to let uh, these candidates win. The only way this election is going to go is that Aumilik candidates are going to win. Uh, the people Aumilik has uh, has nominated is going to win. And there are going to be dummy candidates just to make the election seem inclusive and contested. You know, you mentioned the last story that you had done for us. And one of the most interesting aspects of that story was about this internet star hero, Alam trying to get his foot into the in, into politics. Tell us about the Awami League's response to his candidacy and what that reveals about how they treat political opponents. Right. So Hino Alam's candidacy in the Dhaka 17 by-election was really uh, interesting because he was the only candidate uh, that was uh, sort of uh, challenging the candidacy of the Awami League candidate and he actually stood second in that election. Uh, the BNP did not take part in that election. So he was the only real challenger. Uh, and he was beaten up by Awamili goons uh, right uh, outside of a polling center. And uh, a number of foreign embassies reacted to that. Uh, but the Awamili just didn't care. And there was no sort of trials. or uh, And then there were some arrests made. But we have not yet received any sort of news of their punishment uh, yet. So this event shows that Awamili is going to squash any sort of dissent. And as uh, if you read my article, you'd see that Hero Alam has by now joined a pro-Awamili group just to keep himself safe, sort of. So... Anyone who is in uh, the Awamili camp is safe from uh, more or less from repercussions and attacks. But anyone who is slightly outside of uh, the Awamili camp, anyone who who actually presents a challenge to the Awamili will be attacked, will be taken uh, to the jails, and will be uh, will have cases filed against them. I one thing I didn't mention before is that uh, thousands of cases. Uh, I think the numbers are around 70,000, but I'll have to check, uh, have been filed against BNP men. 
and they they are just trapped in this cycle of going to the courts every day and uh, attending their trials every day so they're not being able to uh, to have a livelihood or uh, or even organize and have a right to assembly uh, at all so uh, hero alums the attack on hero alum shows that uh, you know there is no space for dissent in bangladesh even if you want to dissent you'll have to uh, eventually give up and join the awami league's camp because otherwise the attack on you will be relentless but the bnp has not been backing down they have been leading massive rallies in bangladesh they have been taking advantage of the public discontent because of the economic climate there are these rallies continuing even now and what is the bnp's strategy given that they have said they plan to boycott the election um so bnp strategy is to continue their struggle even if the election takes place they're going to continue their uh, movement against the ruling government and they're uh, they're going to continue to push back continuously and i'm not sure how much you know prudent their plans are because uh, for example in the uh, in the last ma- major incident the 28th of october incident happened and then there was massive arrests going on and uh, bnp declared strikes one after the other and blockades one after the other so what this did actually is um, it made it impossible for the bnp activists to come to uh, dhaka and uh, you know continue their protests because the because the transportation was uh, blocked so there was no transportation to dhaka so it was difficult for them even even if they want to come to dhaka they they are facing uh, police harassment the police are checking their phones um to figure out who is the bnp uh, supporter and they're they're being jailed on the basis of that so it has been impossible for the bnp to hold massive rallies anymore especially after the 28th of october uh, uh, in light of all the cases that have been filed or the arrests that have been made so the number of protests massive rallies have actually a li- has have actually waned a little bit after the 28th of october but the bnp is still carrying out for example i said this a little while ago the uh, human chain uh, event happened on the international human rights day so these kinds of events here and there are taking place there are like flash processions processions they're taking out uh, in support of their strikes but their strategy seems a little bit dubious because i think they're they're doing things a little bit haphazardly one of the reasons uh, for that i would say is because of their leadership they had a very good and prudent leadership under uh, mirza fakrul islam alamgir who is the uh, general uh, secretary general of the party he he was a very good leader of the party but now that he's jailed uh the party is giving uh, is is ha- is holding haphazard processions and rallies here and there but it's not been able to crystallize those uh movements to one specific thing so these rallies are uh, not that massive in the light of the repression and the arrests and all of those things these rallies and uh, and uh, processions are not are not uh, in the same scale as they were before There was a recent news story about AI generated news anchors being used to spread disinformation. Have you seen any of these uh, 
any examples of this and other kinds of disinformation now that we are getting closer to the election so bangladeshi news uh, media is you have to understand the the nature of the bangladeshi news media first uh, before diving into this story about ai generated news anchors the bangladeshi news culture is very much controlled by the ruling party they only give permissions to news channels if they are like pro government there are very little number of independent and objective journalistic practices in the bangladeshi news media so they are using the ai as they uh, would use any human so the, i don't see the difference of using ai uh, or using a human person the only the ai is i think is just an uh, just a gimmick to attract people to the channels but the media landscape in bangladesh is as such that any sort of disinformation and stories against the opposition is going to be aired no matter what uh, they they are making the uh, landscape media landscape so much flattened and so much uh, one party centric that uh, there are only a few news media out there who will uh, and they are also not on the tv channels there uh the print media which are which are like somewhat one so i could name uh, around three or four uh news media uh, out there who are somewhat objective and somewhat report both sides but other than that the tv uh, media is is very much one sided so i don't think the ai generated news anchors is uh, is changing that a lot it's just uh, feeding into that machine of disinformation that the tv media is carrying out okay there has been a growing interest in the jamaat-e-islami's growing presence in bangladesh why do you think that they have been allowed to hold rallies uh, given that the awami league played a role in prosecuting the party for alleged war crimes committed during the 1971 war um so the jamaat-e-islami you have to understand that politics of jamaat-e-islami uh, and the role of jamaat-e-islami with bnp and with the awami league so one of the reasons why jamaat islami was given the uh, opportunity to hold rallies and uh, and and processions was because that i think the government was trying to coax them into joining the elections uh, even if bnp did not join that way jamaat islami could be shown as the opposition and as jamaat islami is already established more or less in the bangladeshi culture as the party of the war criminals they would be easy easier to villainize so whenever uh, the ruling party makes a mention of bnp they don't, don't they just they don't say bnp only they say bnp jamaat because when you say jamaat you uh, kind of you kind of tap into a national memory of pain of suffering of war crimes uh, and these sort of ideas give you a very negative connotation about the opposition so the only way for the the ruling party to clearly delegitimize the movement of the opposition is to give some space to jamaat-e-islami and show that the jamaat-e-islami represents the whole of the opposition if they do that then the uh, the opposition is delegitimized and their movement is delegitimized their movement even though their movement is for democracy it becomes as though they want to make uh, jamaat e islami come back again and that's this big specter of uh, the the war criminals coming back to power so i think they're using that sentiment how has the us imposed 
visa restrictions impacted uh, Bangladesh's political leadership, if if it has made any impact at all? Well, the U.S. imposed visa restrictions actually had some impact in the beginning. Uh, so because of the U.S. imposed visa restrictions, the number of crossfires, which are which are basically uh, extrajudicial killings uh, of opposition members and stuff like that, uh, that has uh, gone down a bit. But the U.S. imposed visa restrictions also are supposed to uh, apply to those who impede free and fair elections in Bangladesh. So if you want to use that uh, sort of wide uh, definition to who is uh, actually uh, impeding election in Bangladesh, the ruling party actually comes up because they are not creating the space for a, a, an inclusive election. Uh, so that should have uh, deterred the ruling party from from doing what they're doing currently. But uh, they, they, they seem unaffected by it currently because they are carrying out indiscriminate uh, repression on the opposition uh, and they're, they're, they're getting ready for a one-sided election. So uh, even though the U.S. Uh, visa restrictions uh, some, had some sort of effect in the beginning, I don't see it affecting, it affecting uh, the current political uh, activities very much. Because I think the ruling party uh, is going to is thinking that they might strike a deal with the U.S. Uh, by somehow protecting their interests in the geopolitical arena once they are re-elected, which they will be uh, under this one-party election, and uh, they will be unaffected by the visa restrictions. I think that's what they want, and that way they will uh, they will also project that the opposition, who, which will try to prevent this election as the ones who are uh, preventing which the U.S. has called in, in those impeding free and fair elections in Bangladesh. So uh, the BNP will then be entrapped into that framework. So I don't see that the Bangladeshi political leadership uh, is, is doing uh, much to meet the requirements of the U.S. imposed visa restrictions. They are just doing, they're just following their own plan and they're trying to strike a deal with the U.S. Right. Finally, could you tell us a book you read or a podcast you've listened to or something you watched recently that could help our readers learn more about Bangladesh's political landscape right now? Um, I think the best thing to do is uh, follow some writers who are uh, writing on international media about Bangladesh's uh, political landscape. Uh, rather than reading a book, it's easier to read some articles. Uh, there are some great articles online. Uh, for example, uh, Ali Riaz, who is a professor at the Illinois State University, uh, has been writing about Bangladeshi elections uh, for uh, for some for quite some time. He has an article out on the diplomat. The listeners can can take a look at that to understand the political dynamics of that that, that are going on in Bangladesh right now. There are some other writers. Uh, you can you can take a look at the Daily Star's opinion section. Their uh, coverage of Bangladeshi politics, especially the columns, the, those will provide good uh, coverage of what is going on. And uh, also, I think uh, if you want to learn more about Bangladeshi politics, you can take a look at the books written by Ali Riaz, which are very, very much uh, enlightening, uh, especially the culture of fear uh, idea of Ali Riaz. I think that is very powerful to show 
what the Awami League has accomplished during its reign and what is driving uh, the Bangladeshi politics today. Thank you so much for being with us today, Anupam. Uh, thank you so much for uh, again for inviting me to this podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. If you want to help us bring you more updates and stories, you can sign up for membership at www.himalmag.com/membership. We've got a range of membership plans for you to choose from. You'll get access to our archival newsletter specially curated for you and even Himal's iconic right-side-up map with its startling new perspective on South Asia. And if you don't want to miss out on future episodes, head to the link in our notes to sign up for our newsletter, which will bring you the updates right to your mailboxes every fortnight. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever it is that you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. And that's it for today and for this episode. See you next time.